19. We're going to read the entire chapter in just a moment. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we have a Bible to give to you. You can stop by the Welcome Center after service. We will give you a Bible free of charge. We always put the, uh, the scriptures up on the screen, but I encourage you to have your own Bible. And not just to bring it on Sunday, but to read it daily. Uh, I want to share with you today a, a very simple, basic message, but if you will hear it, if you will allow the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth to you, it will benefit your life in 2023 like no other advice that I could give you. Now, I come to you as your pastor, but I also come to you as someone who has served God for over 50 years. I know I don't look that old, but I uh, probably actually closer to 60 years if I was going to be honest. But, you know, um, the best thing you can do to strengthen your faith is to read the Bible. And I mean that sincerely. The Bible is not an answer book. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you, whatever you're going through today, there's one specific answer in the Bible that will address that. No, the Bible is a narrative about how God works in the lives of broken people. It's not sterilized. There's some things in here that you scratch your head and you think, man, what, why did they do that? Or why did God do that? But it helps us know the heart of God. I often listen to podcasts, particularly in the morning if I'm on the elliptical machine. Or uh, One of my favorite podcasts is uh, Five Minutes in Church History. It's a five-minute podcast. It's a weekly podcast. And it's a little glimpse about church history. And a few weeks ago, they were interviewing different theologians saying, if you were stranded on a desert island and could only choose five books to take... What would those five books be? It was a fascinating podcast. There was a series of people they'd interviewed over, oh, probably a month's time. And the answers were interesting. Some people wanted C.S. Lewis. Some people wanted Tolkien. Many people said, it's the Augustine's confessions that I want to take. But of course, on the top of almost everybody's list was the Bible. It's undeniably, friends, the most important book in your library, in your home. Man, I have read from this book, and I don't say this in any bragging manner. I've just read in this book nearly every day for the last 40 years that I've pastored here. And it continues to challenge me, to motivate me, to inspire me, and most of all, to guide me. And from a literary point of view, it's a very interesting collection of books. The Bible is actually 66 books written by more than 40 different authors. And those 66 books were written over a period of 2,000 years. That's pretty incredible. But you know what's really incredible? It is remarkably consistent from the very first book of Genesis to the very end book of Revelation. Because even though human beings authored it, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. 
It is the inspired Word of God. And friends, it is trustworthy. You can trust this book. Now those 40 authors, man, they came from every conceivable background. There were some authors who were very, very educated. Some were almost illiterate. And they just dictated their thoughts to scribes. Some were young. Some were old. Some were male. We don't have evidence that any of the Bible was written by females, although, man, it talks a lot about females being used in the purposes of God. On Wednesday night, we're studying in a real in-depth fashion the book of Hebrews. We really don't know who wrote Hebrews, and there's actually a little opening that it could have been written by a female. Some of these authors were Jewish, some were Gentile, some were preachers, apostles, some were lay people. What I'm trying to say, it's a mixed bag of individuals who just recorded their own experience with God. It's a great work of literature. But as far as you and I are concerned, if you have dedicated your life to Jesus Christ, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, then the Bible is more than just a collection of books. It is a book that has the power to change your life. It's a book that will help you go through that deepest valley and lift up your hands and praise God, even though you don't know what tomorrow might bring. But you know that God is already in your tomorrow, and it's a safe place for you to be. Man, this book has changed people for the better for centuries. It's a book whose message, friends, doesn't just need to be read. It needs to be lived. I hope you are as fortunate as I am. There are certain people in my life that I can just look to And I can see the Bible actually being lived out. Oh, that's what I desire. My daughter, my granddaughter, my neighbors will be able to see the Bible lived out in me. The Bible, friends, it's a way to hear God's voice. It's a way to be shaped in the lens of Scripture. It contains wisdom. And when you apply the teachings of the Bible, you can't just know it. The Bible says, don't just be hearers of the word, but actually apply it and be doers of the word. It will benefit you beyond words can articulate this morning. I'm telling you, friends, the best advice I can give you is to start reading your Bible. It's going to benefit you in a lot of different ways. And today I want to take a wonderful psalm, Psalm 19, and I just want to take uh, that psalm and find four different ways that the Bible will benefit you this year. Okay, Psalm 19, let's stand together as we read the word of the Lord. I'm reading today from the New International Version, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of the God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Can you say amen? Amen. Boy, when you drove to church this morning, this scripture proved true. 
Oh, the sun shining on that freshly layer of snow. It was just brilliant. It was glorious. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where that voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes the circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect. Now you could substitute the word of the Lord in that scripture. The word, the law, the advice, the commandments of the Lord is perfect. And it revives your soul. The statutes, the commands of the Lord are trustworthy. You don't need to understand them. They're trustworthy. And the Bible says right here, it'll make wise the simple. I'm kind of a simple common guy. If I want to be wise, I'm going to trust the statue of the Lord. The precepts of the Lord are right. And they're going to give joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. And the ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold than much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his heirs? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then will I be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that is here today to reveal the truth of your written word. I pray, O God, in the next half of an hour that your spirit will reveal to us the importance as we begin this new year of having a regular daily time in the word that we might see life through the lens of scripture and that we might hear your voice in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's look at verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. My first point today, the first benefit I want to suggest to you of reading the Bible is spiritual renewal spiritual renewal. Now let's go back to the Old Testament. I want to give you an example from the Old Testament. Uh, the wall that surrounded the city of Jerusalem had fallen into disrepair, um, bringing shame to the city, making it vulnerable to enemy attack, because that's the way that they protected Jerusalem, was by this big wall. 
And so they were not only vulnerable, but it was a shameful thing that this wall had not been taken care of. It was in this state of disrespect. And there was this slave in Babylon, and his name was Nehemiah. And the Lord spoke to him about organizing the people of the city into these various work parties, and together they could rebuild this wall. And they did so in record time. And as they completed their work, they realized something else. Not only had the wall of their city fallen into disrepair, disrepair, so had their lives. (laughs) Because they had forsaken the God of their ancestors. They had forsaken the law of the Lord. So they built the wall, but their lives were still in shambles. See, you and I can build walls that look really nice to our neighbors, really nice to our fellow worshipers, really nice to our pastor and our employers or your boss, but inside you can still be in shambles. So as we read the story of Nehemiah, people from all over the nation gathered together And they said, we need to reacquaint ourselves with the God of our forefathers. Because we need spiritual renewal. It's not about a new wall. It's not about a new building. You can buy yourself a brand new Bible. And it's not going to give you spiritual renewal if you don't read it. And I know reading is hard for many people. That's why I recommend you can listen to the Bible. There are so many apps version is probably the, the easiest to find, the easiest to use, probably most comprehension. You can listen to the Bible. That is what gives you spiritual renewal, not just having a Bible. So Nehemiah says, we got the wall built, but we need more. So you know what they did? They gathered all the people together, and they had the priest, the pastor, the bishop, Ezra, And he just started reading from the law. And it says he spent the entire morning just reading from what they had at that time, which would have been the Torah. They didn't have the New Testament, but they read what they had. And when the Israelites, the Bible says, heard the word of the Lord, they then turned their hearts toward him and they recommitted themselves to live according to the standards of God. They aligned themselves with the way that the Creator had intended them to live. And friends, that is what happens every day When we read the Bible, we are renewing ourselves inwardly. It's a a source of spiritual revival. It feeds our spirit. It makes it strong. Now, you might fast for two or three days and not eat. Friends, you grow really weak. Eventually, your physical body needs food for nourishment. That's all good and fine, but please don't forsake your spirit. The way your spirit becomes strong, the way you feed your spirit is through the word of God. That's what gives you inspiration. Man, these stories in the Old and New Testament help develop your faith in God. 
Because, you know, God is faithful even when you and me are faithless. God is always working to redeem us, even in those areas of life that we mess up. And the Bible shapes our view of life and how we should respond to the work of God in our life. It gives instructions on how we can experience the most out of our life. Spiritual renewal comes from the Word of God. Another way that the Bible feeds us, benefits us, helps us, it does give us practical wisdom. And that's the second point of my message this morning. I referred to it earlier. Again, it's in verse number 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. It does refresh our soul. But it also says this word is trustworthy and it makes wise the simple. It will give you practical wisdom. Now again... I do not believe that everything you face today has a specific answer in this Bible. But I do believe that if you immerse yourself in the Bible, you will learn those godly principles. You will learn how God deals with your life, that you will be given practical wisdom for whatever situation you're involved with. Now remember, wisdom has nothing to do with intelligence. It's not how smart you are. It's not about your IQ. Wisdom is more like common sense. Really, wisdom is how to apply the knowledge that you already have. Wisdom is what gives you the ability to solve problems, to navigate through heartache, to get results. I like what Herbert Hoover, one of our presidents from way back, said. He, he defined wisdom this way, knowing what to do next. Wow, we all need that, don't we? <laughs> well, what do we do next in this relational situation? What do we do next in our job challenges? What do we do next? What do you do next? You need wisdom. Because a wise person sees through the, the haze, the fog, to the solution on the other side. A wise person is above the clouds and they're looking to the sun and the sun directs them. Man, there are times, friends, and you know this as well as I do, the choice between right and wrong might not always be clear. Now, there are Ten Commandments. There are things in the Bible that are very black and white. But there are many areas that we deal with that are in the gray zone. There are times when the choice between good and best aren't clear. See, sometimes we think there's always a right choice. Sometimes there might be two good choices. But you need wisdom to know what choice is best for you. You need wisdom. And the way we receive wisdom is through the Bible. Now, the Holy Spirit will also reveal things to you. But it's like a computer. If it's not programmed into the computer, you're not going to be able to get that knowledge out of the computer. You understand that? Maybe some of you today are single. Well, the Bible has a great deal of wisdom 
about maximizing that grace that God has given you. Some of you might have that gift of being single. Nothing in the Bible says everybody has to be married. If you're single, you're not second-hand believers. And God will give you the wisdom to know how to get navigate that. Now, maybe you want a marriage relationship. Well, then the Bible gives you the wisdom to know the kind of person that you should be dating, that you should be marrying. If you're self-employed, the Bible tells you the kind of person that you should do business with and the kind of person that you should avoid like the plague. Really, it's all, it's all part of the narrative that God gives us. Man, the Bible instructs parents how to relate to their children and how children should relate to their parents. It shows me how I should be treating my friends. And it also shows me how I should deal with those who are opposed to me and maybe those who are even enemies. The Bible helps me through all that. It gives me this wonderful strength spiritually. I'm spiritually renewed, but it also gives me practical wisdom. It makes wise the simple. The Bible's full of wisdom. Things like parenting or finances or relationships or friendships or sex or spirituality or success. and It covers all areas of life. That's why David said here in verse number 7, the commands of the Lord are radiant, they give light to the eye. I like that. It's a source of practical wisdom. It helps you to know what to do best. Or I, what you, what, the best thing you should do next. One of the things, and I've shared this over the years, that I like doing is reading through the Proverbs every month. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. And there's generally about 31 days in the month. So I always read the corresponding chapter. I use a little book that Marge Adams gave me years ago. Uh, it's Eugene Peterson's uh, translation called The Message. It's actually a paraphrase, not a translation. But um, I use that almost every morning because that's one book of the Bible. There's others, but that's one book of the Bible that really focuses in on this area of, of practical advice, of, of wisdom. Now, the third area I want to talk about this morning is if you read this Bible, you will have confident living. It'll help. It'll boost your confidence. Now, verse number nine says here, the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever, and the ordinances or decrees of the Lord are sure, maybe your translation says uh, firm, and all of them are righteous. Overall, for those of us who walk with the Lord, the Christian life is full of certainties. We know that. If you have committed your heart to Jesus, the Bible says your steps are ordered of God. I'm not going to judge all the other stuff around me, but if I'm walking fresh with Jesus every day, I know that whatever happens that day has been ordained by God and it's all going to work together. Even if it means that I need to embrace some 
discomfort or, or some suffering. Now, the uncertainties that many people accept as a fact of life, honestly, believers simply don't have to worry about. <laughs> because as someone once said, we know the end of the chapter. We know how the book ends. We know that someday Jesus Christ will come again, and he will rule and reign, and justice will prevail. I was reading this week about a man, it was actually a fellow pastor who was leading a home Bible study that was designed for people who just wanted to know more about the Christian faith. It was like, some of you know, remember when we did the Alpha course. It's for people who are just seeking uh, to learn more about Christianity. And it was that type of group that this pastor was doing in his home. And there was about a dozen people in that group and most of them not yet believers. They were interested, but they really hadn't taken that step to commit and yield their life to Jesus. And one evening he asked this question, hey, if you could ask God anything, what would it be? And the overwhelming responses were things like, am I on the right track? Is God happy with me? Am I going to heaven? See, those are the kind of questions that believers who are in the Word already have the answers for. <laughs> those are good questions, but more people should be asking them so they can come in relationship with God. But the good news, when you're in the Word of God, those kinds of questions are already answered so you can live confidently. That's why the Apostle John said in 1 John 5.13, it's one of the three epistles toward the end of the New Testament, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Confidence. How can we know that we have eternal life? By reading the scriptures. Because the Bible is full of promises of that assurance. Romans 10, 13, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's that simple. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's the starting point for all of us. You call upon God and say, God, I want your help. I yield my life to you. Forgive my sin and my selfishness. Take control of my life. Help me yield control of my life to you. You call upon him, and it doesn't matter if you feel different. It doesn't matter if your circumstances don't change. You stand on what the word of God says, I am saved. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Back to 1 John for a moment, written to you and I, fellow believers, Christians. It says, if we stumble in sin, if we simply confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse and purify us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Hebrews 10.10, we just talked about it in our class the other night. We have been made holy through the sacrifice 
of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Wow. I'm not made holy through my performance. I'm not made holy through my beliefs. I'm made holy because I have faith in the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for me on the cross. And I understand that because I've read about it. I've heard about it. See, you and I, if, if we need to be more confident in our relationship with God, if you want to be more confident about your future, the Bible paints a picture of the future for the believer that is ultimately good. Now, I know that it seems like the world's going downhill. It seems to be getting worse all the time. And I know the Bible does predict there's prophecies, you know, about political instability and economic instability, and we see that. But friends, when you read the rest of the story, when you see how boldly the Word of God asserts that Jesus Christ will establish justice for all, that he'll wipe away every tear, that his kingdom will have no end, you will live much more confidently than you are now. I, I often talk to people who believe the future is the worst thing that could possibly happen to them. They're worried about it. They don't mean in terms of the end time. They just mean in the day-to-day -day normalcy of living. Whether it's their economy or, you know, their, their work situation. But friends, I just want to say you can be more confident in whatever you're facing and whatever you will face. If you are walking and submitted to the Lord. If you are in his word, because then you'll know the narrative, his ability to redeem situations that he's always working for you. It gives you optimism. It gives you joy. That's why verse 8 in our text, look at it. It says, the precepts of the Lord are right. They give joy to the heart. When you read the Bible, you're going to find yourself being more optimistic. You'll find yourself being uh, more joyful. When you fill your mind with scriptures, you're reminded that God loves you, that he's in control, he takes care of you, he provides for you, he protects you, he brings his kingdom to earth. You won't be able to express or suppress your joy. Man, the Bible brings us love and joy and peace and hope. And I know that some of you have not always found that the case. And I apologize, there are pastors and evangelists and teachers that use this book more as a weapon for doom and gloom. You know, anybody can do that. And that's why you need to be in the Word daily and you need to read the book as a whole package. Yeah, you know, anybody can pull one or two verses out of context to support some crazy notion. And we got to be careful. I mean, that's been done for slavery. It's been done for racism, socialism, oppression, on and on, war. I read one time, someone said, well, Jesus said the poor will always be among you, so you don't have any obligation to try to 
you know, in poverty. Boy, that's just a misuse of that scripture. Because they're taking one particular isolated scripture and trying to build a doctrine out of it. That's why you have to examine the sum total of the Bible's message. I personally enjoy going through the Bible every year. Not everyone can do that. There's time restraints. There's other things. But it's good, friends, not just to stay into one book or one area. You need to get the big picture. You know? I know there's a a lot of churches right now that do not want women in ministry. It's kind of a, a big deal right now. I don't understand it. They twist Paul's statement, you know, women should be silent in the church. And they just take that one statement without understanding the whole narrative. They don't understand the big pictures. There are churches that actually base their entire governmental structure on that single statement. I'd rather go back to Genesis where God said it's not good for man to be alone. I better make him a helper. I'm a better man because I have a wife. Our board is better because it has men and women. We're more complete. There's a perspective there. Now, how do I know that? How do I know it's okay to have women in leadership, for instance? Because I've read the, the whole book. I, not just one text. I read in Romans where there's this great compliment and emphasis on this deaconess by the name of Phoebe. Man, I, I read in Proverbs 31 who gives this thorough description of a godly woman. Anything but subservient That's a woman who is equal to man. And I'm glad the Assemblies of God, since we started in 1914, have always believed in egalitarian status of man and woman. They're equal. I ran across that this morning about how God loved and protected women. I'm really off track here. (laughs) In the Old Testament. Um, It was in the book of Numbers. I started my Bible reading the first Sunday of Advent in November. That's the first Sunday of the church year, so that's where I started my new Bible reading. And it was interesting because uh, here in uh, Numbers, it was, uh, I think, Manasseh's daughters. And they were petitioning to Moses. And they said, Moses, this isn't fair. You're dividing up all this land. And the land goes to the males, the sons. But... We don't have any brothers. And uh, our dad doesn't have any brothers. We don't have any uncles. We don't have any sons. It's not fair that our family loses our land because there's no male. And Moses went to God and God said, those ladies are right. And you can read even in the Old Testament how Moses said, yeah, they're right. And they gave the land to the ladies. And I thought, wow, I really had never seen that. That element of male and female being equal. Now we complement each other, we have different roles. I get all that. I gotta get back to my notes here. I'm just saying that this scripture is not meant to be a weapon against somebody or for keeping somebody in a, a secondary position. This word should transform our lives. 
And it only happens when we approach the scripture with a teachable attitude. Not an attitude that says, this is what I believe, let me find something that will support it. Now, unfortunately, we've all been guilty of that. But that's not the way you approach God's word. You say, God, I'm coming to you prayerfully, in humility. I want this word to shape the way that I see my life in the world. Finally, this book will give you daily guidance. Daily guidance. Verses 10 and 11 says, They are more precious than gold, much uh, than more, uh, much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, than honey in the comb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Man, again and again, the Bible warns us the risk and the rewards of our behavior. In the Old Testament, it was the blessings and the curses the risk and the rewards of our behavior. Proverbs 15, 22 says, plans will fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. I was at a meeting recently and there was probably 12 or 13 people who were trying to counsel a, a young pastor. And we all had the same heart. We all had looked at his situation, we had looked at the scripture, and it was a unanimous, this is the way we were going to counsel him. And he said, well, I'll think about that, but this is what I really feel I should do. And my heart broke. My heart broke. Because he wasn't listening to his spiritual advisors. This word is part of the way God advises us. But he also advises us through teachers and through brothers and sisters. As iron sharpens iron. It's good to talk about these things. If you consider a major decision without seeking godly advice, I, you're setting yourself up for failure. Man. Every major decision I have made, I have looked to my pastor. My pastor is Don Ross. He's our network superintendent. Ask him to pray. Ask for his counsel. Often ask the board, how do you feel I should respond in this situation? See, there is a huge risk of making decisions without getting input from the scripture and from people who know the scripture and are walking with God. And if you, friends, well, read your scripture day after day after day, you'll be amazed at how often you will receive this daily guidance. It'll be unmistakable, clear direction for the problems that you face, for the opportunities that are open to you. This is not a magical book. It's a miraculous book. It's a mysterious book. Because it's more than a book. It's been God-breathed. So it's alive. It's alive. It's always working where we are now. The scriptures have meant so much to me 10 years ago. 
now have a brand new meaning to me because the book is alive and it helps me day by day. God speaks to us through the Bible. It has the power, friends, to change your life. It'll help you establish and maintain a lifelong, life-changing connection with Jesus Christ. And that is my challenge to you today. We're still in the first month of 2023, but I'd encourage you, please, get into the Word this year. Now, you know, we provide a daily devotional, and it's called the Daily Bread. You find them at every door. They're at the Welcome Center. Just take a copy. That'd be a good place to start. Now, there's always one scripture, but right above that scripture is a larger portion of scripture that might be 10 or 12 verses. That's a good place to start if you have no other place to start. But like I said, version has various Bible reading plans. You can read through the Gospels maybe in the next six months. Maybe the proverb of a day. I don't know. But I encourage you and I challenge you Read the Bible every day. Take time to read it the second time. Absorb it. Search your heart. Say, is this passage challenging me? Maybe something that I've been putting off that I need to do? Is it reminding me of a promise I need to keep? Is it pinpointing a a sin that I need to confess? Is it giving me an example that I need to follow? We introduced the SOAP method of Bible study, S-O-A-P. Read a portion of Scripture, observe it. A is for application, and then always end your Bible reading with prayer. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Say, Lord, make this come alive. And as you meditate on the scripture, as as the scripture directs your thoughts to God, he'll speak to you. You're going to begin to hear from God. You'll see life through the lens of scripture. It's going to shape your life to be more like Jesus Christ. You'll grow spiritually. You'll develop wisdom. You'll experience joy. And you'll receive daily guidance. If you don't have a Bible, we've got a bunch at the Welcome Center. We want to give one to you. If you need help and establish a Bible reading plan, talk to one of your friends or call, talk to one of the pastors. We'll help you. I just encourage you. God has given us this wonderful gift. Not all believers have this gift. We're very, very fortunate, friends. There are believers today in North Korea and Afghanistan and Iraq that would love just one page of this scripture. There are pastors who are pastoring churches that don't have the complete word of God. But we have it. It's valuable. It's an asset. Let's incorporate it into our daily life. Jesus, today I have done my best to share from my heart something that I believe will benefit and help every person who is here, every person who is online, every person who will watch this video later this week. 
Lord, this is a key to them walking strong with you this year. Now, Lord, I pray that you will reveal the truth of my feeble words and that every one of us will make a commitment. We are going to be in the Word more this year than we ever have. And for some of us, that might be five minutes a day. For others, it might be reading through the whole Scripture. But God, it's between you and, and us, what you want us to do. We're not responsible for our spouse. We're not responsible for our brother or sister. We're just responsible for what you're asking us to do. So share with each person who is here today what you're asking them to do, that they might hear your voice and see life this year through the lens of the trustworthy Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's stand together.